welcome back to the Amplified Word, brought to you by Christ Episcopal Church in Dayton, Ohio. It's a conversation and a deeper look at the lessons for the upcoming Sunday from the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney. We invite you to come along as we lift up the women of the Word. episode, we're taking a look at the lessons for the fifth Sunday in Lent. Our lessons come from Isaiah chapter 40 verses 9 through 11, Psalm 68 verses 4 through 11, Romans chapter 16 verses 1 through 16, and the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 26 verses 6 through 13. Today's Gospel tells the story of the woman at Bethany. This is the week leading up to his passion and death. And he's in this home having dinner in Bethany and a woman breaks an alabaster jar and pours perfumed oil on his head. And while others are confused and frustrated and don't like that this woman has done this, he teaches those who are with him, he teaches us the value of what she has given and that she will be honored forever. Welcome everyone to this week's session of the Amplified Word. I'm the rector here at Christ Episcopal Church, Peter Holmeyer. And I'm Mary Jane Plody, the program's assistant and postulant. Welcome. We're glad you're with us. This is, sadly, Peter, our last Sunday in Lent. Better get busy with that turning, huh? I know. You're running out of time. Listen, you only have these few weeks in order to totally be ready. I'm just kidding. You, we're always working. We're always trying to turn and we're always trying to get better and grow closer to God and who God wants us to be. But we are wrapping up this season um, and we're wrapping them up with some fabulous lessons, I think. Yeah, we're going to. So the lessons off in the Gospels start to tell the stories around the yep. Holy Week stories. And so our Gospel lesson gets into that and we'll talk about that and the second half of the show a little bit of this episode. But I want to sort of, something really interesting happens with specificity of individualizing women that's really pointed out in two of our texts right. this week and how different that that is. So to, so to get at that, which I want to do later, I'd like to just get you to join me in a bit of a conversation around how God calls us by name. We know that from the text. Yes. We know yeah. that God celebrates our individual nature and that God is in the diversity that we find in the world and therefore right. the diversity of who we are as individuals. Like clay in the potter's hand, you know, like we right. are each formed differently. Right. Yes. And for all that... <laughs> we have a tendency to want to categorize, right, and create a characterization of people into more of what I would describe as archetypes, just sort of certain kinds of, you know, we would have an expectation that you'll be like this or like this based right. on one or two characteristics of the person. Right, sort of like buckets to describe people, like you can right. toss them into. Right. Yeah. And we certainly do that to, everyone i mean sure. if you say if you say uh fire person you know firefighter to me i'm 
might have a first idea in mind or soldier oh, yeah, or something like that. Though it's interesting that's less gendered for me than it was at one point in time. Hmm. Um, but women in particular mm -hmm. often seem to have an absolute freight of expected characteristics that come with them as soon as they're identified that way. And a lot of them often are negative. I'm going to give a super quick example, and I'm going to ask you about your own experiences. Unfortunately, the bishop in my previous diocese was caught in an infidelity. And it's only unfortunate because it was unfortunate for all of the people that had to be around that and deal with the right. fallout from that. Oh, yeah, just the hurt. <laughs> and in the process of my trying to name and give people space to deal with the hurt, mm -hmm. uh, to just try to be transparent about it. That first Sunday, I had multiple members come up to me and without any sort of questions or knowledge of any party other than the bishop, they said, well, you know, that woman was trying to trick him and take advantage of him. Hmm. What an interesting choice of an archetype of a woman that creates mm -hmm. who is involved I didn't hear them use that kind of language for him. He was just as unfaithful as she was. Right. Now, I don't need you to tell stories of infidelity. That was not where I was trying <laughs> to, to go with this. But what has your experience been, or do you have any experiences you could share with being sort of expected to be a certain way because you're a woman or a woman of faith or oh yeah, a woman from Texas, whatever, oh, well, whatever that might that be? <laughs> there are so many layers here. I think there are so many different archetypes that you, uh, as a woman, might get thrown into right. and then fail to live up to yeah. <laughs> because they don't fit exactly. Um, and, and so there are definitely lots of areas that at times, you know, you can struggle to feel like, am I failing at this? Am I doing something wrong? Like, yes. why isn't this fitting? Yes. Everyone wants this. Yeah. What right? you, Everyone says do this. Do you have a sense of wanting to impose this outside sense? Right. Of, oh, definitely. I think while you're maturing, this oh, happens for very sure. easily. You know, for outside sure. set of standards around whatever this archetype is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, and I, in my undergraduate studies, spent the first few years studying physics. And I was in a department that only had two females okay me and one other female student and yes. we had one female professor and the rest was all male and there was definitely a sense of you don't belong here right um from our classmates our peers our yeah. friends who would sometimes say well why would you study like why would you stress and study physics like one day don't you want to stay home with your kids yeah like okay well no, well, maybe, maybe, I don't know. First of all, what? Um, don't you want to stay home with your kids one day? You know, Certainly. I mean, could go both ways. So that's yeah. definitely one area of just very explicit expectations of where you do or don't belong and what's expected of you once you quote unquote settle down and get married and have kids. Um, and a huge thing for me as a woman of faith, as a woman who serves in the church, is this feeling that I should just be so lucky and Ooh. so blessed that I get to wow. serve God in whatever capacity. Yeah. And as a volunteer like or as a, a 
Yes. Like, mm -hmm. oh, wow. I am so lucky that I even get to show up and teach Sunday school, or I even get to be in the choir or read during services or heaven forbid, serve at altar. You know, these are things that like, oh, what a gift that I eat. And like, don't get me wrong. It is, it is a, a wonderful gift for Absolutely. us to serve. Count your blessings. But we all should. it is a gift for all of us equally. And some people are called to particular ministries. Yeah. And that is a very interesting space to enter as a woman in ministry, especially a woman going through the process and being a postulant and seeking ordination is, first of all, I belong here. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. And second of all, we are all blessed to get to serve in whatever capacity that is. Um, and, and so that is a really weird space where I get really frustrated by the archetype that does not fit of like, um, yes, thank you. We're all very lucky that we get to minister to one another and build the kingdom and do this awesome work. However, I am super qualified for this. Yeah. Like, thank you. That's right. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, it, <laughs> There's many more. <laughs> yeah, that's just we're hardly scratching the surface on this. Um, and thank you for sharing a little of that. I, You know, when we want to be negative, and it happens. That's true. My yeah. experience is we tend to try to use generalized characterizations and archetypes, and that we do ourselves a disservice, and we, and we do the world around us a disservice when we do that. So you might get examples like that sounds like things like, well, I don't like to go over there because that's where the people who ride the bus. Oh yeah, people mm -hmm. who ride the bus. So that's so you know. Yeah. Or they might, they, you might say something like, you know, oh, well, I don't, you know, that, that kind of a, that kind of a thing is, um, some kind of count, uh, cancel culture. Uh, and right. I always think an interesting response is to say, who exactly do you meet? What who are exact, you talking about? What exact experience are we talking about here? Not. What and, kind of people ride the bus? And the reason <laughs> like, I, one of the reasons I point that out is that we don't say about the saints. Oh, well, the general saints. Those people who did good things. We know them by name. Yes. And we know why they are individuals. It's not like, well, they were all the same. You know, oh, well, now we've got a saint, so therefore we know they all slayed a dragon and, you know. <laughs> and they were all killed in this way. Right. They you know, they're not all St. George. They're not, right. Um, it, so, so that is, it is their individual characteristics and expression mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that draws us into recognizing the best images of ourselves and of God as right. well. Right. And archetypes allow us to get through a lot of information quickly. Sure. I don't think God's interested in us getting through a lot of information quickly. Right. The details are so special. Yeah. Right? Like those matter. details are what makes a person a person. Right. What makes them different from someone else. What makes them um, who they are. And what makes their story yeah. their story. Right? When you tell the stories of... Famous people in history, you're not like, oh, yeah, and 
Well, you know, Rosa that, Parks was right. one of those people who did this stuff for civil rights. No, you know right. who she was. She rode a bus. What happened on the bus? You right. know everything about her. Who was that woman who made the flag? No, we know her name. We know right? her name. Yeah. Know, so we don't say the flag lady. Right. Know? Right. Which is actually interesting because we're going to get to that very soon when we come back in the second half here. That this happens still, even in our gospel around critical events. And unfortunately, and why the woman is lectionary and this project are important is, friends, there's just too much of this, particularly around women, mm -hmm. that's happened historically inside the church. I'm sorry it's still happening to you, Mary Jane. I'm sorry it's happened before. But if you can't name it, you can't change it. Amen. Louder for the people in the back, please. <laughs> we'll be back to talk about specific good and bad examples. It's not just bad. I know, we got both. That's a twofer. <laughs> that we see in today's text, this week's text. All right, welcome back, everyone. So before the break, we're talking about archetypes, and we'll get into those specific examples, but I want to lay the, sort of set the scene, I guess, here, Peter, for the story from um, the Gospel according to Matthew that we get today. This is Matthew 26. Yes. And as you mentioned in the first part of our episode, we're getting closer to the events surrounding Holy Week. We're getting closer and closer, right? Yeah, this, this is are, actually events inside this is, of Holy Week. Yes, this will happen in Bethany. Yeah. This is a story. We, the Gospels for the weeks leading up to sort of bounce around, right? But these are events so close to the crucifixion. Um, and, well, I won't tell you, you know, the spoiler of what happens after that. But I always imagine this event, it's told slightly differently in a couple of the Gospels. It's sort of Jesus' last private dinner party with oh, friends. Oh, yeah. This is, he's not with his, all of his followers, like having the formal Last Supper, but right. this is his last goodbye yep. with, his, with his friends, with his friends, which is also so fun and to And during the same week. It's Jesus not like, has friends. This isn't like, you know, his retirement party. Oh, no, no, no. Retires. This is, yeah, this is the real thing. Um, and so Jesus has gone out of Jerusalem to Bethany and is at the house of Simon, who's a leper. Bethany is a, a leper community. And a woman comes with this alabaster jar, a beautiful large jar full of oil. And it would have been perfumed, healing, fragrant oil, very expensive, and pours the whole thing on his head, right. anoints him with right. this oil. Right. Very just reverently and without prompting without really saying anything this is what she does and the disciples are upset taken back by at this least. they are saying you know we could have used this we could have sold it and used the money to feed people or to pay for our ministries things like that mm -hmm. and jesus he he does understand where they're coming from but what he is saying is she's done something good for me yes like, is that not good enough? Like, yeah. is that, this is what she can offer. Right. And it's beautiful. And it's so, like, it is something so special to have that oil poured over him. You know, this is the kind of anointing that a king would get. This yes. is the anointing that 
the that you would do for like extreme reverence. He and, thinks so highly of it. What does he say about, uh, about it's this It's so event? beautiful. He says, I tell you, she has prepared my body for burial, which is also super interesting and super wonderful. But I tell you that this tale, this story, the good news, whenever it is proclaimed throughout the whole world, what she has told, what she has done, will be told in remembrance. So he's saying that this from is, now on, this is big. Stuff. This is so big that whenever you tell the story of Jesus Christ, whenever you tell the story of the gospel, you will tell this story. Well, I mean, that is so big. That's yeah. such a big deal. Right. And yet, Peter, caveat: Who is this woman? Well, we don't really know. Uh, this brings us back to an advent when we did the lineage, and it's like, and then there are the ten generations we don't know the names of. Yeah. I'm like, how? How do you not know your mother's name? But this yeah. is the this is such a big story that Jesus is saying it is going to be central to the sharing <laughs> of the gospel. Jesus is telling them, when I die, and you have to go out there and preach and minister and heal. You're going to tell this story, yeah. and here we are, 2,000 years later, telling this story, and I don't know her name. Yeah, it, it, I know Simon the leper, right. but I don't know her name. Sorry, I'm getting really Well, no, this. I love your, I love your passion. <laughs> what I is her name? This is the irony and the bittersweet oh. aspect of what we're really looking at here. Here, who, the gospeler could be bothered to remember, as you say, the host, who doesn't actually play any kind of a role in this story other than being the host, uh, and that Jesus is so taken by this oh, event I know. He's just so that, that he's so moved that the gospeler records him saying it will never be forgotten. Mm. And yet we can't be bothered, or the gospeler could not be bothered, to remember her name. It's so upsetting. Because maybe she doesn't matter to the gospeler as an individual. No, she is filling this role. Right. She's filling this archetype, this archetype, this character of, mm -hmm. of a servant woman, yes. a pious woman, yes. reverent woman, Muted. kind, generous, quiet woman. Right. Yes. One with no, no speaking part in this mm -hmm. play. Like, oh, she does not have dialogue. Mm -hmm. And she's also serving another role of being a woman who is criticized, which is thank you. Also, an interesting archetype. Thank you of like, very much. Oh, mm -hmm. so she's doing this amazing, wonderful thing, and let's please spend time talking about that. But also, men are criticizing her. What? Yeah, her actions. Yeah, yeah. like it's still not good enough. And we still don't know her name. The, uh, uh, <laughs> She's just a general woman. Unfortunately, there are extra layers of challenge in here about what historically has been done to try to record her as an individual as well. Right, Mary Jane? Yes. Because she yeah. is right. such a central story. It oh, shows up I in know. all the synoptic gospels. can't remember off the top of my head whether it's in John or not. It might be. Because John, I think is it is. That, yes, I think it is. I think. So I think this is one of the few stories that's in all I think this four. Shows up in all four. Super because odd. I think in the Johnine version, this happens in the house of uh, Mary and Mary Martha, and, Martha. and yeah. that's the Lazarus the story. Is, the resurrection yeah. is from John, uh, so I'm pretty certain that's true. But what's happened here, and so there, 
um, what's happened here is it's important yeah. that people are like, well, wait a minute, we kind of want to know okay, more so about her. Okay, so we've got to include this story. We kind of want to know more about her. So what do they do? Oh, what do they uh, do with her? They, they turn have her just, into what, historically? She's Mary just Jane. been meshed up with all of these other women. <laughs> what do you mean when you say Okay, that? so here's what I'm saying. There are so many times throughout history, and this really picks up in the medieval period, which, you know, there's a lot going on there. But we're we're trying to figure out what's happening who is this woman i'm sure there's some sort of cult of saints that's trying to figure out what the name is so they can have a saint for her right right but is this Somebody mary think they found a is portion this... of the original jar yeah i'm sure right sure. like it's probably a relic right <coughs> mm -hmm. okay so is this mary it, at one point she's named mary in one of the accounts i think sure. Um, is this Mary Magdalene? Probably. Probably Mary Magdalene, because that's the only one that we're going to spend time with. Um, maybe she has a different name. Maybe she's the same woman that also is at the well that time. Yes. Oh, and maybe she's... The one she's, who's a prostitute. What yes. about her? Let's she's definitely her the out. prostitute. The one at the time when, you know, it's Mary and the other Mary, Mary right. the mother of God and Mary the other Mary, it's that Mary. Right. You know, we've just decided that all of these women are one person. Right. And this woman, whose story is so big, whose gift to Jesus is so big, right. that it will be told throughout the entire world, yeah. we don't even know which one of those people she is. And so even when we catch ourselves in a space of saying, wait a minute, we don't want to know more about her, we end up trying to cram her into a box that's already overfilled exactly. with yes. other individuals. We actually didn't try to know more about her. <laughs> we tried to make her fit these other ones that it's we also don't funny. know anything about. Why am no, I but it, it's, it's just it's, so heartbreaking. We just keep falling into this trap yeah, that we set for pattern. ourselves. And, you know, to go back to what we're saying about archetypes, they're not bad, it, like in the sense that they can help us as like a stepping stone to know something about a group of people or about someone that we don't personally encounter. Yeah. But it can't, you can't stop there, right? right? Like I cannot stop with, oh, she's the woman at Bethany. Ugh, that is not enough. I need more. I'm not going to get more, but I need more. <laughs> well, what we have as a way of showing us what it actually looks like on the ground when you're practicing ministry mm -hmm. comes out of our Romans reading. Uh, I instead. know. This is a part that we don't hear a whole lot because it's the very end of the letter. And these are letters, friends. So they're addressed. The to letter all, to the Romans. Yeah. They're addressed to someone or someone's at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And often in the genuine, in, in a number of them, at the end, uh, Paul sends greetings to people in the community. And so that doesn't necessarily always make really exciting Sunday text, but it's in here and it's great that it's in here because it's part of this womanist project because who, there are individuals named, there must be, I haven't counted them up, there's at least a dozen. At least, yeah, maybe closer to 20 I would here, say yeah. there's more than that. There may be as many as 20. So many, it's how awesome. Many of these, how many of these are women, Mary Jane? So many. A bunch of them, explicitly named by name. Phoebe, Priscilla, Aquila, Junia, Typhenia, Tryphosia, Mary, Julia, Mary, Olympus, mm -hmm. all known explicitly to Paul, 
mm -hmm. all known to be members of the community, all known yes. to offer particular ministries and ways of right. caring for the community, each known as an individual. Oh, and by it wasn't. Oh, and by the way, all those other gals who hang out with you. Right. Oh, yeah. For say sure. hello to them as well. Give my best. Mm -hmm. And I love that each one of these gets an individual greeting yes. from Paul. Yes. Greet each one. My beloved, who was the first fruit in Asia for Good. Christ. Right. Greet Mary. And then you get a little bit about this person. I'm like, wow, I might know more about these people than I do the woman in Bethany. Unfortunately, that's my, true. And, and, you know, we can't say it enough. We love Phoebe, a deacon of the church, so that you may all receive her in Christ as is worthy of the saints and stand by her. Like, this is a great message of this is what you're supposed to be doing yeah this woman is inspired by the holy spirit listen to her follow her and she'll lead you closer to christ and the fact that paul can say those things about these women is honestly miraculous i'm so glad that this is in the text so that, I know. first of all we get names it's so and great. secondly we see that the community from the very beginning Mm -hmm. was, as it appears to me, as strongly supported and as strongly even in positions of authority, particularly when you look at the role that Phoebe's given and named as a deacon in the early church. Yeah. You know, uh, probably most of our listeners don't have an opportunity to attend church here at Christ Church. Part of my Eucharistic practice when I am in this really exceptional position of getting to provide an image of God when I pass out the sacred uh, bread, when folks come forward and receive this real presence of God, is that I remind them that they, that they are receiving God into themselves. And I choose most of the time to say the person's name yeah. at that moment. And this is not a common practice for a number of reasons people get concerned about saying the wrong name and i understand that and some complications that can happen in there but it is a reminder that god knows us each by name mm -hmm. loves us as individuals and isn't interested in saving us just because we're another person yeah another man or another woman or something more complicated than either one of those things but it is that very complication that we capture in being able to know the name of something right. and what that means about knowing us intimately that is God's great desire for us. Amen. And may we continue this work of intimately getting to know ourselves and the scary work of getting more intimately <laughs> to know the world coming up with Holy Week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Amplified Word. To learn more about the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney and our year-long formation programs, Women of the Word, we invite you to visit our parish website, DaytonChristEpiscopal.com.